Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, you're already speaking to every heart this morning. And it's now we are going to receive from you for more revelation. God, you will speak directly to every heart. You will anoint every word that comes out of my mouth. Help me to speak clearly and with boldness. And I come against any work of the enemy to steal the seeds of God's word into people's heart in Jesus' name. We thank you. We bless you for this time. Amen. Amen. All right. So the narrow way you would have known, it comes from the Bible. And it's from the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I read from verses 13 to 14. First with New King James Version, and then we'll go with the Amplified. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's more impactful through the Amplified Version. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads to the way to everlasting life, and there are few who find it. Jesus said there are only two ways. One is to spiritual death, to eternal loss, to forever separation from God, and the other way is to life to eternal, everlasting life, life of God and life with God. One way is easy and broad. The other way is narrow and difficult. The way to destruction is easy and broad, and many are traveling that way. But the way to life, very few are traveling down there. Very few. This is a sorrowful statement from our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way himself. And he said it, that very few will find it. The path to eternal life is open to everyone. The way home to the Father is wide open. But with his foreknowledge of the last day, he knows how many will be able to make it. How many will be able to meet that requirement to enter the kingdom of God. The gate to heaven is narrow because it's exclusive to a group of people who put their faith in Jesus Christ. This gate is exclusive for only those who are single-minded, for the narrow-minded people. Because Jesus is the only way. There's no alternative to Jesus if you want to get to the Father. The wide gate, however, is non-exclusive. Every other way, every... Religion in this world will lead you there, even self-effort. And sorry to say, even attending church every Sunday, serving God, is not going to get your way to heaven. Many attending church regularly will not make it unless they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you attend church and you serve the Lord. But you attend church and you serve, but you are not trusting Him. It's not going to save you. And the day will come when he asks. And he will tell us that we, he doesn't know us. 
It will take out our work. We take out our serving. We take out our attendance and plead. Lord, we ate and drank with you in your presence. You taught in our street. And he said, I do not know you. So the gate and the road to eternal life is narrower than we think. It's more difficult than we think. Very few will find it. How we wish that it was easier. How we wish that it would be effortless. But guys, we're not talking about our own kingdom. We're talking about God's kingdom. He set the standards and he set the road codes. We are to follow if we are abiding in his kingdom. If we are abiding, if we are going to enter his kingdom, we are to abide in his rules. We must not create our own version of the, of the code. Watered down, easier, more convenient version with the help of the enemy and hope that we'll get by with it. We are not. We're talking about God. We are not God. God is God. We are not God. I'm going to read from the message version of the same scriptures and we can see something different from this lens. The message version says, don't look for shortcuts to God. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Vigorous and require total attention. It's not a walk in the park. It's not for the lazy, it's not for the faint hearts, it's not for those who easily get discouraged. Vigorous and total attention. In the book of Luke, chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Strive, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive. The Greek word for this in this verse is to struggle, to compete for a prize, to endeavor to accomplish something. So effort is required. This road is not for the faint-hearted. You know, when you enter that small gate by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you are just at the beginning of that difficult road. You're just entering in. You begin to walk down this narrow and difficult path to keep that faith alive. You say, I want to put my trust in Jesus. You just begin the race. The race to protect your faith, to keep that faith alive until the last day when you depart from this body. The good fight of faith is what makes it tough. The good fight of faith is what requires total attention all of our efforts. When we live by faith, we're not living by sight, nor by feeling, right? We walk by spirit and not by the flesh. So when Jesus mentioned this narrow way, it was part of his sermon on the mount. It was towards the end of that sermon. And he had given people various examples of how to live by faith. And then he summed it up with this statement about the narrow way, as if to say, I know, it's difficult. It's not going to be easy. That's why very few get in. I'll highlight to us from chapter 5 to chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, various examples that he gave. He described how narrow and difficult the way is. In this road, you will encounter this. When someone curses you, you need to bless them. 
There will be someone that hates you. And then what do you do with them? You bless them. You do good to them. There will be people who spitefully use you and persecute you. And you need to forgive them. You need to pray for them. And when people say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for the sake of the gospel, you need to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Can you hear the flesh screaming? That's why you're quiet. The flesh is screaming. He doesn't like it. The narrow way is a death sentence to the flesh. I want you to remember that today. The narrow way is a death sentence to the flesh. The flesh is going to rise. It's going to scream. I want to retaliate. I want to punch them. I want to speak up. I want to fight justice. But what, guess what? The natural responses of the flesh need to be denied. Access denied. No, you're not going to rise. You're not going to rule me. You're not going to boss me around. I'll do the very opposite of what you want to do, flesh. So you can see this road is very difficult for the flesh. If your brother has something against you, reconcile to him quickly. If you have a dispute, agree with your adversary very quickly. And you don't have to murder somebody to be in danger of fire. You just need to hold on to the anger, the bitterness, curse somebody, then you send yourself to the same place. So pride and self-righteousness must be crucified when we walk down this narrow road. The, road. the flesh wants to hold on to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. If we listen to the flesh, if we live by the dictate of the flesh, we will die. It will cost us our souls. Is it worth it? There's more. There's more. There are more bad news to the flesh. Last of the flesh must also be put to death. Because Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman to last for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Focusing on storing up treasures in, on the here on earth is a no. And money must not be our master. Desire for fame, for recognition, for popularity, for approval of man must also be done away with. Charitable deeds, charitable deeds, good deeds, need to be done in secret. Praying to the Father is to be done in private. When you fast, don't let anybody know you're fasting. You need to be okay with obscurity, to be insignificant, to be unimportant. And we, are, must, we must be okay with just the Lord knowing and seeing us. Do you see that blow after blow to the flesh? which is full of pride and lust and love for popularity, for security, for pleasure and comfort. The flesh is a terrible thing. Even seemingly harmless and innocent things like worrying about what to eat, what to wear, and making oaths and vows, even well-meaning, are to be dropped as well. Do you know Jesus said, let, you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. Jesus said that. He commands us to simply keep our word, just like our Father who is faithful to his word. When we face with the reality of denying ourselves to follow Jesus, are we going to turn away like many of his disciples? 
Jesus never sugarcoated the truth. He said it like it is. He was never manipulated by the response of the people. He always reminded us about the price to follow him. And God offers salvation to everyone who accepts it, but on his own term. We must come the way he provided. We cannot create our own path or come to a holy God based on our own preferences. When faced with a choice between a narrow and bumpy road and a wide and paved highway, most of us choose the easier road because our human nature gravitates towards comfort and pleasure. Human nature is short-sighted. Short-sighted. That's why Jesus said, choose life. Have eternal perspective. Think what is waiting for you at the end of the road. Think long-term. It is a sprint, by the way. It's not a, marath- it's, it's not a sprint, by the way. It's a marathon. We're in it for the whole way. Not only for a short week or two weeks or even 21 days. Apostle Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament, he said, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's a man of God. He said that it's possible for him to be disqualified unless he put his body under subjection. You see, it's not overnight that we find ourselves in the broad way. Is many small steps towards the wrong way, repeatedly. And so if we examine ourselves daily, it's easier for us to stay on the right path. And it's a race down the narrow way, the flesh must die daily. The narrow way is the death sentence for the flesh. So let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 27, 25. Sorry. We know this very well. Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, the way, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, but is himself destroyed or lost? When Jesus said that in order to follow him, we must carry a cross. He meant that something must die before we can live. Something must die before we can live. We must die to ourselves, to our own desires, our preferences, our own rights. When we die daily, when we are, we are dead men and women of God, we cannot be offended. We cannot be tempted to sin. We have no personal agendas. We take on his agenda. We take on his mission, on his nature. You know, the Bible says that the flesh is hostile towards God. It's in Romans 8. The flesh is hostile towards God. So if you want to follow God, you must be hostile to the flesh because the flesh is his enemy. We need to be hostile towards our flesh. If we want to live with God, our flesh must be put under daily. How do we crucify our flesh most effectively? Tosin just announced this morning. Prayer and fasting. It's through using the power twins. Prayer and fasting. When we fast, we are enforcing the spiritual position 
that our old self, the sinful nature, was cut away. And so now the flesh no longer has control over us. It has no right over the operation of our spirit. We're enforcing that when we fast. We're weakening the voice of the flesh that wants to dictate, wants to rule us, the spirit of haste that wants to rule our life. We are telling our flesh that we are the boss and it's under our subjection. And when we pray, especially in tongues and long prayers, worship God, confessing His Word, we are also enforcing another positional truth that our spirit is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And so when we fast and pray together, we execute two positions in the spirit realm at the same time. That the flesh is going under and our spirit is going above. We're lifting up our spirit, we're denying our flesh. We're walking after the spirit and not walking after the flesh. When we fast, some of us could have been able to relate. Every bit of our carnality that has been ruling us, that we don't even know sometimes, has risen to the surface. Everything that is not submitted to God is raising its ugly head. Our emotions go crazy. We feel depressed, we get angry, we get irritated, we get discouraged. We scream, man, this isn't what I need. But that's exactly what we need. We've brought the hidden things, the hidden wrecks of our life into the surface so that the Lord can deal with them through our willingness. When we pray, God highlights to us the deep root of those mess that has come to the surface and He empowers our inner man with might to overcome. He can reveal, oh, that situation of your life, the way you're reacting is rooted all the way back in your childhood, the words that were spoken over you. He can reveal to you that because of that disappointment, how many years ago, that it's hard for you to trust people. He'll reveal that to you. And then you'll be willing to overcome with Him. Time after time, we will have fewer and fewer buttons for the enemy to press. Something that you used to, that would used to set you off doesn't affect you anymore. You find yourself easily bless somebody who hates you. You find yourself that suddenly now you're making peace even though you're not at fault. You find yourself enjoying a supernatural peace even though people around you are fretting. That means you're making progress. The narrow path is getting a little less difficult now because some of the flesh has been pruned away. Praise the Lord. Now, the more we die to the flesh, the more we are less attached to the things of this world, right? Because the flesh is fed by the things of this world. So the more we die to the flesh, the more we are free from the world. The more we are focused on the things of God and less distracted by the things of this life. The more we'll be able to be open and sensitive to what God is saying is asking of us to do. The more we die to the flesh, the more we can successfully separate ourselves from the Word and live a consecrated and holy life. Okay, this is a requirement to enter the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 6. Verses 16 to 17, and then chapter 7, verse 1, which is the very end of this message that Jesus was saying, that Paul was saying. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. 
as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The Lord said what? Come out and be separate from the word to live a holy consecrated life unto God. Then I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughter. We are not living a separate life, a consecrated life, a holy life to be saved. It's the other way around. Because we are saved, we are able to and we are expected to live a consecrated and holy life. It's like when we are married to God, we can't go on and having an affair with the life, with, with the word anymore. We are married to Jesus. We cannot go on and have affairs with the word. Having a lifestyle of, con of consecration and holiness unto God is an evidence, is a fruit, is an evidence that someone is traveling down the narrow way to eternal life. It's a product of dying to self daily. So you cannot live consecratedly and wholly without dying to self. You cannot. Now, I want to clarify that God's not saying that we should be separated physically from the Word, because then how can we shine the light, right? Because we are the light of the Word. But we are part of the, we're in the Word, but we're not of the Word. We're not attached to the things of this Word. They don't have to take our own interests. We are there for a mission. Every conversation, every interaction, there's a purpose. We belong to the Lord. We are around people for a mission that He has sent us to do. We cannot be diluted by the Word. We need to be set apart. Let's define what consecration and holiness look like. What a life of consecration and holiness look like. This is a kind of life where one gives themselves completely unto God. Completely. You give yourselves completely to God. A life set apart for Him from the place of knowing that I belong to God. I belong to God, and so I set myself apart for Him. All my life, all areas of my life, not just Sunday morning, not 15 minutes devotion every day, all of, my, all of me, all of my life, all areas of my life, all of my time, all of my attention, all of my choices, all of my thoughts. This is a life where we joyfully present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him, as a reasonable service, reasonable, reasonable, because we belong to Him. It's not too much to ask, it's reasonable. It is a life where we rejoice in the knowing that the Lord has made a permanent home in us. The Holy Spirit has come and made His permanent home in our hearts. We rejoice and we choose to make our mind, our soul, our body a sanctuary for Him. 
That's what it looks like when you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord. You say, Lord, all of me, my mind, my soul, my body, my spirit, I choose to make them a sanctuary for you. Dwell with me. You are so welcome here. You are so welcome. You have your way. None of me, but all of you. When we live holy and separate unto Him, we will not be able to think of anything ungodly that would defile us. We can't even think about them. We can't think about letting anything defile the temple of God. We can't speak profanity. We can't watch unfilthy things. We can't touch unclean stuff and set foot in a place that we know will grieve the Holy Spirit because He is in us. Every cell, every tissue of our body is filled with the Holy Spirit. Our eyes are His eyes. Our ears are His ears. Our hands are His hands. Our feet are His feet. When, you, when we are consecrated and living a holy life, we will be said that we are obsessed with Jesus. These people are obsessed with Jesus. All they talk about is Jesus. We will be obsessed with Jesus. We shall be so. And we shall only want to please Him and we stop caring about what people say and think. We shall think God's thoughts and speak His word, hear His voice, see things from His perspective and be His hand, His feet, living in dominion. Our hearts will cry, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you all the time. A life of consecration is a life completely surrendered to the Lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. All we think about is what I can do to glorify Him after all that He has done for me. You know, we ask God for revival, right? There's a narrow road to revival. We said that revival, let that start with me. The narrow road to the revival, we need to travel. God is looking to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are one with Him. He's looking for those whose lives are consecrated and are holy and He can use. Very few. That's why He has to look to and fro. If we ask for revival, we're going to present our body as a living sacrifice, like holy and acceptable to Him, so He doesn't have to look any further. Lord, look here. Here I am. Here's my life. Use me. Apostle Paul said to the church of Galatians, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What does this mean? It means that our life is not changed. Our life is an exchange. Our life is no longer in the realm of I. It's no longer I. It's nothing to do with us anymore. It's Him, it's Christ who lives in us and through us. Christ is our life. When we live a consecrated and holy life, we can be confident in saying that Christ lives in me and I am going to enter the kingdom of God because I know Him. 
going down the narrow road, we said before, is a death sentence to the flesh. We need to leave that eye behind. Then you can fit in just that small gate to walk with Jesus. We've got to ask ourselves, am I still alive? Am I a hindrance to what the Lord wants to do? Am I alive or am I dead? I choose to be dead today to my way so that He can have His way. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you know, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. We must examine ourselves daily so that we don't mistake that we are traveling down the narrow road meanwhile we are on the broad road to destruction we need to examine ourselves asking ourselves questions am I living for God or for myself is my life set apart for Him we ask ourselves what are we giving ourselves to to our family, to our career, to our business, to ourselves, to our church. There are 24 hours of the day. Everybody has the same amount of time. How many hours are you spending for your family? How many hours are you spending on your career? How many hours are you spending on serving the church? How many hours of the day, of the week? You're spending on yourself, watching TV, playing games. How much time is there for God? Is seven hours to pray, to intercede, too much to ask? When we can watch and sit and watch TV for hours. Are we chasing success in the eyes of man? Or what matters to us is the fruitfulness in the eyes of God. We can do so much. We can accumulate it lots. But that day will come and He will test it by fire. Won't they stand? Or they all completely be destroyed? You can say you do all of this and this and this for the kingdom of God. But if it wasn't the plan of God for you to do it, what's the point? What are we doing with our body, the temple of the living God. Is every member of our body an instrument for righteousness? Are we able to say glory to God to everything that we are doing, everything that we are watching, everything that we are hearing, what we are thinking? Are we able to say that glory be to God? Oh, we are ashamed. Oh, I should have seen that. Oh, oh, I wish I, would, I didn't do that. Are we able to say that? It's a good test. You think about what we're thinking about and you think about what we're doing. Is it unto the glory of God? We don't own this body. We don't own this body. We think we do, but we don't. We must remind ourselves that the Lord owns us. We are a vessel. Am I living a holy life? Am I grieving the Holy Spirit? 
because the world has nothing to offer us. The Holy Spirit is all that we have. Everything of this world is temporal. It will pass away before you know it. The Holy Spirit is the only one that we have. Are we grieving Him with our lifestyle? If you know that you're living in sin and God has spoken to you about it, you're going to repent when there's still time. He's faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sin. He will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If you have been trying to break free from an addiction and need help, let us pray for you. Is there any disobedience that you're telling yourself it's a small thing? Just white lies here and there, accidentally manipulating and controlling situations to get your way. Even being ungrateful is a sin. And knowing what, what is good but not do it is a sin. The standard of God is way above our standard. The more we walk with God, the more we realize the gate is way more narrower than we think. There's a prayer we should pray daily if we are serious about living a holy life. It's in Psalms 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, there's an expectation of us when we call God our Father. We're so quick to say, Father. We sing all these songs, Father. God, Lord. The Bible says, if you address as Father, the one, if you call Him the Father, there's expectation. If you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of Him and with profound respect for Him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Conduct yourselves in reverent fear of Him and with profound respect for Him. God has not changed. We are the people under New Testament. doesn't mean that God has changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. The God of Old Testament is our God. His standard has not changed. He is this God that is so holy that when the angels worship Him, they have to use their wings to cover their faces. He's so holy. What makes us think that now under grace, we can continue to live in sin? He is still a jealous God and He's still a consuming fire. The blood of Jesus is covering us now, but it's not going to be forever. The grace is not going to be there forever. The grace of the Old Testament is still, the God of the Old Testament is still the God of New Testament. So although we are right now under grace, don't be deceived that God is okay with our unholy living. He's given us grace to what? Overcome sin, not to live in sin. So don't let the grace muddy the water. He is still the Holy Father. And the end is very near. The end is very near. More than ever, we need to examine ourselves, repent and ask God to help us daily. So in closing, I want to ask us a few questions. I know there's been, there are many questions for us to think about, but they were reflecting questions 
for you, between you and God. Now, these questions. If you close your eyes and think about a heaven, that is so perfect. That it has the, no more war, no more sickness, no more famine, no conflict, no flesh. Have all the amazing food that you like the most. Have all your beloved people there in heaven. All kind of entertainment that you desire. A perfect place in your definition is there in heaven. But there's no Jesus in heaven. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with a perfect heaven without Jesus? If you are, like I used to be, you are in love with this world more than you are in love with Jesus. You do not yet know Him. to make a decision today before it's too late without Jesus there's nothing there's nothing and what I've said earlier about living a consecrated and holy life if that surprises you if you're not serious about that at all it is an alarming sign that you are travelling down the wrong way you need to make a change today to live for eternity. You don't be short-sighted. For without holiness, we can't see God. If you're serious about it, but you're struggling, your flesh is much alive. That's okay. Keep fasting and keep praying. We ask the grace, ask God for the grace to fast and pray so that we can continue to travel down the right path and be made perfect for Jesus. If we live a consecrated and holy life, we can confidently say that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The narrow road is dying to self and coming alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The way is narrow and difficult. God called each of us, but He never promised it was going to be easy. But it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Are you coming? Are you coming? Take a moment and reflect with the Lord. The Tuesday will see you at the end of the service. <laughs>